and welcome to another episode of Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushy. This is your host, Manion, also known as Rob. So, thank you for downloading this app. I, I know it's been a long time since I last uploaded an episode. Um, so, I do appreciate people, you know, hanging on and, and listening to these things, which are often quite disjointed. Um, but, uh, presumably, there's something for somebody, so... Uh, I do like recording them. Um, part of the reason I've been quiet recently is, as I say later, it's not because of the silly sort of um, accusations in the that I mentioned in the previous episode of the podcast. Rather, it's it's just um, been difficult to sit down and talk about anything, to be honest. And um, for the past few weeks, a month or so, I've been sort of... Um, kind of going uh, into some slightly darker territory, really. I suppose I've been a little bit depressed and I hadn't really realised that I was feeling a bit down about different things. And uh, it's nothing to do with me over-drinking or anything like that. Uh, It's just a sort of real sense of being stuck in a rut um, and not really living... The life that I, I really want to sometimes and uh, I suppose you know it's I'm what 48 this year so I'm not really ancient <clears throat> excuse me I'm not really really ancient or anything but uh, as anybody knows we you know as you're growing up <clears throat> you do hit these times where you feel like you, you're just living the same day you know it's the groundhog day syndrome isn't it and you're just you're heading out to work on the same for me it's the same train the same faces I get to work same desk the same jobs the same kind of work every day day in day out year in year out uh, year on (laughs) hopefully that made sense I've got my daughter as well and she's now growing up and she has her still has some problems she's away from home but you know she has her her problems and you worry about her or I do And so, yeah, you know, sometimes it feels like you're very much just this, uh, or I feel like I'm very much, you know, kind of without any real power or direction, or <clears throat> I lack the power over my own life. And uh, I sometimes wonder how much of that is is actual, and how much of it is something that I have, that I uh, impose onto myself, that I allow uh, to to. Unnecessarily allow into my own life, so there you go. There's a little window into my uh, my psychology, if you like, or my my personal life. But um, hopefully that doesn't sound too dark, and you're still listening. Um, but yeah, you know, I have these moments, and uh, it's really hard. I don't want to bog people down. You don't want to talk in a in a way that makes people feel uncomfortable, because you know people need. Um, they need not so much escapism, but they need to take, get into contact with people. They need their hobbies and, and, and maybe they need some laughs, some comedy, some music, whatever it is. They, maybe they need their, their church or something. Um, they need something that puts them in touch with others, right? And it, it, it's something that lasts, it, it take laugh lasts excuse me something that's lasting that that takes them out of that 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 uh, 
ongoing kind of situation, the circumstances they're in, and it raises them above that 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 level, and it allows them to see uh, a little bit more clearly things in a, and from a different perspective. Now, I, I I live in Japan. I can't go and get high. <laughs> I can't go and smoke a joint. So you know, um, unless I want to end up in jail. Uh, you need to find ways of doing these things, right? Some people go and do exercise, and uh, I've not been exercising um, much, and that could be one reason why I'm feeling uh, a little bit bummed out. Other people, you know, they take up meditation or something. So, you know, people, but they do need these little breaks. They do need to, um, to sometimes uh, drop the everyday and, and do something fun. And that could be uh, as... This is the case probably with with many of you. It could be yeah, role playing games and wanting to talk about the games, and not really dwell on on, on uh, the, some of the darker things that are maybe happening um, around us. Um, obviously, there's a war going on, a very terrible terrible thing that generates all sorts of negativity, um, um, and it makes people have to choose sides and. You know, it's very easy to forget that we're all humans, human beings. Um, so, I'm not here to talk pound shop philosophy with you guys or uh, make you feel bad. But that's where I've been. Now, I'm going to talk, uh, I'm going to run some call-ins now. And then at the end of the show, if you make it that far, or if you fast forward, <laughs> I'm going to talk about a few things that I want to do going forward. Because I think this is, well... I know this is coming to the end of, uh, we're getting to the end of March. And yeah, I'm, I'm coming up to my 48th birthday. And I think it's about two years, or maybe it's over two years now since I started this podcast. So I think I'm going to start a new series, as it were, you know, um, a new season or whatever they call it. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, to, to, to mirror that, the beginning of spring and a, a new beginning and I've got a few topic ideas that I think I'd like to uh, discuss. And I'm really happy if you listen to that and perhaps give me some feedback. So um, first up, though, we're going to go on to the call-ins. So I believe we have Jay, um, Jay Webster of Roleplay Rescue. So take it away, Jay. Hey Rob, it's Che. I just wanted to call in and thank you for your not one of them. Um, please don't feel self-conscious about the political comment. I think it's important. And um, oh, am I? I'm quite shocked actually. I have to be honest about this idea that you might be associated with the alt right. Um, seems laughable to me, but there you go. Um, I also I get very bothered. I think uh, annoyed, frustrated by people who just make accusations with no kind of evidential base whatsoever, presumably based on their own prejudices and their own agenda. So just wanted you to know that I um, appreciated that, you know, that must be really awkward for you. And um, thanks for sort of speaking about it. I think that takes courage in and of itself. Anyway, I hope you're all right, man. And um, obviously, you know, we're here if you need to talk or whatever. Um, but, you know, be well, man. Game on. That was, of course, Jay Whipster of Roleplay Rescue, and he was commenting on my last episode, which is now, what, a month ago, I guess, 
where I discussed the fact that I'd been named among other people as a, basically, a, a, well, I, I don't know what, if they were accusing me of anything particular. I think the accusations were more about certain other individuals, but I was kind of um, being, well, I was kind of guilt by association uh, with a pe- people who may or may not have hard right-wing views. Um, that wasn't really it's not really clear. I mean, obviously they have their own political views that are of the right, but whether they were fascists or not, we we don't know. And I'm really not interested, to be honest, because that's not why I uh, interact on Twitter, RPG or any other um, RPG platform. Uh, ultimately, I'm very happy to talk to people as long as they're not uh, obnoxious to others and they don't go out of their way to push agendas that harm other people. Now, some of those people who were named may well have an agenda, and it's not for me to say because I'm not the one making podcasts about them, making accusations about them. Um, But what I will say uh, is just to put everybody at ease that I haven't been away from uh, the blog because of that. Uh, I know, um, for example, Brian Bloodex. actually wrote directly to me and that was very kind of him asking uh, if I was okay and yeah I'm fine I, I think for me uh, an important part of dealing with things like this or this in particular this case is to come up and, and say what's happening and say where I stand and uh, and you know um, get it off my chest really just like anybody else I suppose um, it, it's uncomfortable people uh, who you kind of semi know coming up to you and saying, "Hey, did you know you you're you've been named as a, a as a, a possible member of the outright?" I mean, what's that about? <laughs> I mean, anybody who really knows me would know, of course, that that is a fairly bizarre thing to state. Um. Anyway, that's all in past. So I would just like to say thank you to all those who've, just like Che. Uh, commented and reached out to me and uh, show that uh, yeah they're, they're there and they understand and uh, yeah this is just one of these cases where people feel very strong you know perhaps the guy who made this podcast or this uh, YouTube video felt very strongly about a matter and uh, you know his passion overcame him and he, he did not really do the kind of uh, careful research that he should have done um, and made sure that the people, all of the people he was naming or that appeared in his podcast, um, you know, where they stand. And, 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 you know, you have to be careful when you when you put people, show pictures of people or show their names in certain contexts because it can have a very major impact on their lives. Um, and the way things are today, with media being open to anybody, means that he he, he has no, um, he has no responsibility to anybody. He has no obligation to anybody, and so all I can do is say, hey, you know, please remove pictures of me or my name from from your video. And of course, he denied us even that opportunity because he he. Uh, disabled the comments function after he'd received uh, lots of uh, support and I guess he deleted the comments that were were not supportive so you make of that what you will um, but 
Anyway, um, thank you so much, particularly to Che, uh, for this uh, very kind comment. Okay, so next up we have a, a bunch of calls from Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. And Jason's going to talk a little bit about Amazon's uh, new Middle-earth show, but not too much. And he's going to talk a bit, a little bit about um, the 5e D20, whatever it's called nowadays. St um, not Star Wars. <laughs> uh, Doctor Who. Um, so, you know, this is uh, probably a little bit out of date because all, all the, all the uh, discussion, discussion. Anger over over that has probably subsided by now, um, um, and he's going to say a few uh, interesting things. So let's just let's let him talk, and uh, I don't have to paraphrase, do I? <laughs> Sorry, it's taken me so long to finish your latest episode. Not one of them. I I will not drag you into any more Middle Earth discussions for the Amazon show, but but I do want to clarify. I don't care about re. The diversity thing isn't an issue for me. I, if you want to gender swap characters or, you, you know, change ethnicities, who's playing them or any of that, that doesn't bother me at all. I, I don't care about that stuff. What concerns me is it sounds like we're getting a Muppet Babies version of Gladriel and Elrond. But, you, you know, we'll see what they put out. Um, but but again, I don't mean to drag your, your show into that discussion by any means. And I won't drag you into the Cubicle 7 Doctor Who discussion where they're coming out with a 5e version of that. It's going to make the money, the company money. It's going to sell. They they say they're still going to support their existing game, Doctor Who game lines, although they've been very slow in doing that. And if the 5e one sells, no doubt that'll hit the publishing line quick. Cut myself off. If the 5e Doctor Who sells, then no doubt that's going to be the product line that gets... The pro, you know, gets a higher place on the publishing order over the products that aren't selling, meaning the existing Doctor Who versions. But you know what? I have no bad feelings for Cubicle Seven. They need to do what they have to do to survive. I just worry we're going to get into another D twenty boom. But that won't be Cubicle Seven's fault. They're doing what they have to do to make money, and you know, is what it is. It's capitalism, right? Anyhow, to get off that subject, I guess since I'm talking about things that you don't want to talk about in your podcast. I'll just finish up by mentioning, you, you know, you talked about the long history of Middle Earth. And I might be wrong, but I thought, the reason I said 20,000 years for Gladriel was, I thought that time was counted differently at one point, where the years weren't one or, you know, one of our current years, so they were longer, which is where I got that big number from. Anyhow. So, of course, yeah, that's um, some good points from Jason there. I'm not going to talk about the Amazon thing, um, just because I've not seen it. And if I do see it, I still might not talk about it anyway because I don't think it's really aimed at me, and so it's probably unfair to uh, to raise any kind of criticism. As for um, Doctor Who, I don't, I haven't really played any Doctor Who before. Um, maybe I played a, a solo way back in the past. That's possible. Um, you know, I, I watched some Doctor Who's and really, really enjoyed them. Others, they just sort of passed me by. So, um, again, I, while I do have strong views on Middle Earth, uh, Doctor Who, the role-playing game, whether it's the, its own system or some other system, doesn't really affect me. And as you say, you know, if it, as long as it doesn't take away from the original system, which is a possibility... Um, and there's enough people to develop the the uh, proprietary system, if that's the right word, then I don't see it as being a bad thing. Uh, rather, it might open up, 
increase revenue and allow them to to hire uh, extra staff to produce more quality materials. So yeah, who who knows? You know, it could be a good thing. Uh, I'm certainly not one to criticize, although. I will raise one point, which is I, I don't really, uh, you know, I understand people want to use the D20 system, you know, the 5e and all that to play in different worlds. But I just, uh, I, I don't get it, to be honest. <laughs> I don't really understand where the where the desire to to use a, a system based on class and level and hit points and armor class why anybody would want to use that to play something like Star Wars or Doctor Who. It's, it's really beyond me, to be honest. I, I think the the D20 system, the Dungeons and Dragons as a, a system, works well for a very specific type of fantasy role-playing. Um, I, I can't really see it working for all types of fantasy role-playing, just as I can't really see it working for a lot of... Uh, systems like uh, science fiction genres for example but uh, again you know that could well be just my problem um, well it is my problem right so if people are happy to play using that system regardless of whether they're playing Rugrats the freaking RPG or or Star Frontiers you know all the best you know enjoy yourselves if you're having fun well that's that's the most important thing and that's something jason always says so i'm assuming that's pretty much his his uh his philosophy on on the matter there although i'm paraphrasing a little bit now as regards the uh, length of years i think you quite, could quite well be right so uh, i've got the robert foster the complete guide to middle earth here which every as everybody knows, this is probably the, the most important source book you could possibly have for running a campaign in any system in Middle-earth. So um, the the entry on Gladriel just says she's born in the First Age, which does not appear to be actually true, um, because it quite clearly says that she was involved with the, uh, the debate re uh, re revolving around the theft of the Silmarils by Morgoth. Uh, and as we know, that started before the sun and moon uh, rose for the first time, I believe. So it suggests that she wasn't born in the first age. She was born before the rising of the sun and moon. So she was born during the age of the two trees. Now, going to the section on the years, Foster does state that the years of the trees are a measure of time um, while the two trees bloomed. Now, th these were the uh, original, or not the original, but the second version of uh, the sun and moon, if you like, before the real sun and moon rose. So the two trees, you know, they, they had golden and silver light and they were destroyed by Morgoth, uh, Melkor. But <clears throat> um, the, the two trees, the years, he states here that... Um, they were longer than the later years of the sun, but otherwise their duration is not given. Neither are there any divisions into months or weeks. So that does suggest, as uh, Jason says, that the years were in fact longer at that time. And we do know now, I guess, uh, from the Lost Tales that, that there were a number of ages that passed before the First Age. Um, the First Age, Second Age, Third Age being ages since the 
years of the sun began. Uh, first age one is the first year that the sun rose. So, um, yeah, I guess that's a long way, long-winded way of saying uh, it's not quite clear, but it looks like Jason is right. <laughs> I was fortunate to play in the the beta test version of the One Ring Second Edition that they sent out to backers. Arlen Walker backed it, and he ran a game of the One Ring for us. I've been, you know, a campaign. I was able to play a Hobbit in that, and it was a lot of fun. It definitely felt like Middle Earth. It felt like Third Age. And now, how much of that was due to Arlen's excellent game mastering? How much was due to the system? I, I'm not sure. But it, that game definitely felt correct. But again, I think a lot of that might be group dynamics and and the GM as opposed to the system. But, you know, by by all means, the One Ring is the current Middle Earth role-playing game until they have to renew their license because they just sold the Tolkien Enterprises sold the, you know, the, the who owns the gaming licenses. So it'll be interesting to see if they can keep the license. But by all means, it's a great game, and I definitely look forward to your experiences with it. I enjoyed it. Middle-earth role-playing by Iron Crown Enterprises definitely, you, you know, you have to squint when you look at the way the magic works in, in that game compared to the world. And I think you can do it, especially if players are willing to only play certain classes or play certain things. But no, it, it, there's definitely some valid criticism of that system with that setting. But they did the setting great, as you mentioned. The setting books were wonderful. The art was wonderful. The, the, you know, the background, the fluff was all wonderful. You know, that, that'll always be my, my Middle-earth role-playing game. But, and, and the other reason is I really like that system. And I think Middle-earth role-playing is a great entry level into Role Master. I think it's better than the things they've dabbled with since then. So I, I kind of wish they were putting out a generic version of that. You know, Barry, you and I, Barry, shout out the Jam Podcast, you and I talked about that in the past. But yeah, if you want to buy a game now, it's, you know, definitely the Wondering way to go. No, I'm sure um, Arlen is a really good uh, GM from what I hear. And by the way, if, if uh, he's listening to this, Arlen, if you're listening to this or if you hear about this, um, I'd be quite interested to hear of your research on the length of years and the, the discussion uh, that Jason raised about Galadriel. Because I know you tend to do a good deal of uh, research um, in these things and uh, you know obviously have a, a deep interest in Middle-earth. But uh, to get back to the subject, yeah, the, the One Ring, I, I'm sure Arlen is a very good DM, and obviously these systems really do come alive when the GM is really sort of invested in, in that world and he can bring a little bit of that wonder to, to the fore. But I also believe that the, the, the system um, really rewards players um, because of the way the rules work. So the ways that they can use the success, special successes on the dice to to add little kind of um, special successes. <laughs> that was kind of rubbish, wasn't it? Little Phillips, little little um, little twists, little extra things to their success. So that not and these are mechanical, but they need not be merely mechanical. You know, so you can have pushbacks and various other things, but you. Um, uh, also, the as your character develops with the the valor or wisdom, if that's the right terms, you're able to buy new abilities or or develop your character. You're able to get 
maybe discover more about the 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 a sword a magical sword that you may have inherited from your uncle perhaps or you could adopt your heir you know perhaps you a, a long lost niece or something a hobbit niece that uh, you want to take under your wing so that if anything happens to you she can she can carry on your your name that that kind of uh, element is built into the rules that really you know it, it really plays to the kind of narrative um genre tropes if you like um that we see in Tolkien's literature and uh, I think that's a really good thing I'm certainly very happy um look oh, I'm looking forward to um to experimenting with that system um because I think it's got a lot of scope really and this, the the combat seems kind of you know dangerous enough to 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 keep people from just trying to always muscle their way through every encounter um so yeah what i totally understand um though what you're saying with regards to middle earth role playing because yeah for many of us um and we've heard Shay at the the beginning of these uh, these call-ins um he didn't mention Middle Earth role playing this time, but I we do know that he is a big fan of Middle Earth role playing, and I'm always surprised how many people are fans of the system. Uh, I I put up, occasionally I'll have a I'll mention role master or Middle Earth role playing, and um, you do get people who who knock it, you know, make fun of it, you know, um, table master or some some funny little comment about the tables and all the the looking up and all the minutiae of that game. But by far the majority of people write back and say how much they really enjoyed that game, how many wonderful moments they have, memories they have built around that system. Um, and, and it does have something very special about it. Um, I mean, all of the systems that you play when you're younger do, right? And so that is, that is the... Um, um, that's just part of uh, growing up and having these memories of older games. You are going to sort of tend to, to look back with a rose-tinted glasses to a certain extent. But even looking back at the system, and as we know, playing the system, uh, we, me, you and Barry, uh, GM Shadow, played the system and it ran really, really smoothly. I really enjoyed that game. Um, it it just it's just a nice system. Um, you aren't rolling that many dice. It looks complicated. Character generation, particularly with rollmaster, is very complicated. But once you've got the character set up, then you're making. You don't have to roll skills all the time, and and you're just making a deep centile roll, and you're adding your stat. You're adding your skill to that roll. If you roll over ninety six, you roll again and add that on and five, so on. And you know if you roll below a five. You go into negatives, right? So it, it sounds complicated, but it, it is usually just a single roll. And if you get a crit, you may roll again, right? But generally, it's a, it's just a, one roll will do everything. You don't have to worry about the damage because that's all built in. And you're getting these levels of success. And, uh, oh, you know, uh, don't get me started. It's, it's, a, it's a good system and, and it's fun. And I, I think... Um, yeah, you could easily just take that out of Middle Earth and, and, and run any fancy role-playing game uh, and use it as a first step into Role Master. Um, certainly could do that. 
and another thing, yeah, um, I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but I'm I'm very happy to play role master as is, or or Middle Earth, sorry, Middle Earth role playing as is in Middle Earth, and not, um, not not pull back, and uh, not um, change the magic system, and I think that's because uh, I probably mentioned this that I I feel there is a huge amount of scope. Um, I'm reading the book of Lost Tales, uh, the history of Middle Earth at the moment. Uh, and reading that and seeing how Tolkien himself changed the story, uh, how it developed, uh, how it evolved, if you like, although is it really an evolution? I don't know. But how the story developed and how the creation of a very, very uh, clear cut narrative in the Lord of the Rings then had a an effect on the Hobbit and the old you know uh, lost tales and stories and how they were well particularly the Hobbit how it was revised in certain position places to to have it fit together with the Lord of the Rings better now I think the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit and the Silmarillion are three very different types of writing um, now people th- often say a lot of things about Tolkien's writing, particularly with um, not so much in Lord of the Rings, because I think he really shines there. Um, um, I won't go into that now. <laughs> I think it 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 works. Um, going back to look looking at the books um, recently, I I really appreciate a great deal of depth in those books um, and some really interesting style stylistic choices and language, but. The Silmarillion um, is, is a, often attacked for being very stilted, very very biblical in its tone, in, its, in the language which it uses. But for me, um, it's just an amazing book. It's just beautifully written, and it, it's probably the only way he could have written those things. I think Christopher Tolkien, and maybe, um, is it Shippy? Is it Sheppy or Shippy? I think one of the guys who wrote... Uh, about the road to Middle Earth, I may have the title wrong there. Uh, I've also discussed this how it was necessary to develop that tone because this isn't a book. This isn't a book um, set in uh, more modern times and looking back at the history of things that have gone before. As we progress and face the problems of today, which is what the Lord of the Rings is. Um, those tales. In the Silmarillion are the tales that are looking back. These are tales written down by somebody um, within the narrative and recorded uh, many thousands of years after the events. Um, so they are written in this uh, old archaic language. They're intentionally so. Um, and also because um, it maintains a certain sort of um, mythic um, sensibility, does that make sense? Uh, you know, it, it, it sets up this idea of time before time. He's not writing this as if it's a narrative unfolding, you know. Um, now, he's not trying to make it funny. We don't need any Sams with their little jokes and stuff. We don't need Build a Pony. Because it's, a, it, it, it's just so far back that the people, even though we see their foibles, and we see particularly with the elves, for example, the, the Noldor, Noldor elves, we see their foibles, we see their um, 
how, how uh, flawed they are really well and Tolkien does an excellent job at bringing that forward um, but he but he's not saying you know about their everyday lives he's not saying about their toiletries and he's not talking about their their uh, heartbreaks and, and, and so on unless it's really really intentionally part of the, part of the story so um, yeah you know Tolkien gets a short shrift um, for the Silmarillion in my opinion and that's just my opinion I'm nobody but it's totally un, unwarranted I think I think he's he's written something that is uh, trying to be a a modern myth he's trying to copy the language of Gilgamesh um, and the the Iliad and, and all these different uh, tales before time really began for most people, um, time out of time, and I think he does that very well. He creates a story that's really well. But, but I've moved away from what I wanted to say that, uh, that which is probably another topic on, unto itself, which is the the history of Middle Earth, which I'm reading. That it's, it's just fantastic because um, those stories really work, and I hated them when I first read them. But I'm I, just, I finished reading the Book of Lost Tales one, and it was uh, really really interesting. It was just fascinating. And there's some t- stories there about um, how the the first elves in the east discovered men in this lost valley, and this is stuff that I've never read before, because I abandoned the Lord, um, the Book of Lost Tales as being a hopeless uh, mess of uh, unfinished tales, uh, which it is in a sense. Um, but there's a really great framework there, and uh, one of the fascinating things is that the tales are told by. Um, they're told to the main character, Elfwine. Elfwine, um, is it? it uh, I can't remember his name. Anyway, one of his names is Elfwine. It may be Erios or something like that, but Elfwine. By the the inhabitants of the Lonely Isle, which is Erisea or will be Britain, the British Isles. Um, and Elfwine is, uh, you know, the forefather of uh, Hengist, Hengist and Hjorsa, if that's the right pronunciation, the the forefathers, the myth, legendary forefathers of the Anglo-Saxons. So it's this tale, he's making this mythology uh, for England that's very English. And that was the original kind of idea anyway. And, and the story is of this, this um, mariner, Elfwine, arriving in, um, on the Lonely Isle, and um, and learning from the elves who live there, who are still in exile from uh, Valinor, from Aman. And they're telling him the stories that for many of them, are, uh, well, many of them weren't alive, um, alive at the time. So they have to get the, these ancient elves to, to, to discuss these tales to the best of their abilities. So you know, it, it it's you really feel the time, and it's a really nice device that the idea of the the stories um, being told by a storyteller to a traveller within the story. Uh, it's just a really nice little device that's not so often used these days, I suppose. Um, but it was very very common in the in the uh, literature of the eighteen hundreds. But I have certainly started to waffle now, but. Um, I think what I wanted to say was that there is this room in Tolkien to to move and change the story. Um, would 
Tolkien have uh, adapted his material again? I, no doubt. If he had lived another 100, 200 years, <laughs> he would have continued to adapt them, just as we see Michael Moorcock continuously adapting his work, because it was a hobby, I think. Um, well, it was a... It was a but for in Moorcock's case, I mean, once he... He, he, I guess he wanted to adapt to all his works and try to start working them together when he had a little bit more time and money to do so. In Tolkien's case, it was a hobby more than anything else. I think I feel. Um, so, can you can you pick up uh, Rome Master and use the tables there and have these uh, crazy, overpowered games, fighting Balrogs, and shooting fireballs? Yeah, why not? Your Middle Earth. Yeah, and by extension, I suppose. You can do that with uh, Amazon, your Amazon stories and tell new stories. But I, I think I prefer if uh, amateurs told their own, told their own stories. Um, and I think that would be a lot more fun. <laughs> um, I'm not sure why I feel like that, but I do. So, um, yeah, Middle Earth role playing. What have I got to say about that? Unless I already said this, I've got uh, some Rollmaster material on the way. So I did actually decide to go and buy the uh, Rollmaster Print on demands, the classic from Drive Through RPG. So some of that has actually already arrived. Um, looks like Cloud Lords, the Cloud Lords of Tanara, which I owned back in the day, has arrived, and it seems to be a kind of updated version. So really looking forward to seeing that stuff. And uh, yeah, Rollmaster. Even if I don't get it to the table, it's certainly a really important part of my role-playing DNA and I'm looking forward to reading the rule books again and probably boring people to death with uh, Twitters and tweet Twitter tweets <laughs> about what I discover in those books. So I think that's all I have to say on the topic but uh, thank you so much Jason for all of your wonderful messages and your you know ongoing support um, over what two years now. Thank you. So there you go. Um, thank you so much to Jay Webster of Roleplay Rescue and Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I nearly mixed up the two uh, podcasters and, and their podcast. That was a bit silly. Um, so thank you so much for listening this far, unless you've jumped to the end like I, I, I advised. <laughs> so, but although I'd never advise people to miss out the call-ins because I do think the people who call in often raise better points than anything I could I could raise myself. So, um, yeah, as I, uh, as I talked about at the beginning of the episode, I'm thinking really of um, calling the, the end of the season. And uh, now the weather is starting to finally get a little bit warmer. I got, I got my head sunburned while uh, walking in Osaka, getting up to all sorts of mischief. I won't get into that. Um, yesterday, Friday. Um, I got burnt, so yeah, the sun was really out, but now, today, it's raining. But uh, yeah, it's certainly warming up, and the uh, blossoms are starting to open up very slowly. There's, the first blo blossoms are really starting to begin. Should be pretty good. Although, people are, you know, being told not to go out, so we're not going to have any big parties this year for the cherry blossoms. Now, what do I intend to do from here on? Well... Um, a couple of ideas. Um, I talked uh, recently, I was uh, in a, a long St. Patrick's Day podcast with 
uh, oh, well, it was actually part of Nerd's RPG variety cast. Uh, and a bunch of uh, different people from the Anchor community appeared on that. And we sort of rolled in and rolled out as we saw fit. Um, and on there, I was discussing um, about uh, how I do spells. Now, I w- So I want to talk about spell memorization and swapping out spells that aren't going to be used. So kind of a slightly alternative approach to Vancean magic that is still Vancean magic. Um, it's just a very a very small um, change that I, I some changes that I'd like to um, are starting to bring into my games, both old school essentials and advanced Dungeons and Dragons. So that's one of the topics I'm gonna probably discuss. Now another one that I'm really interested in at the moment, and I've started to use um, as a well, as an experiment in my advanced Dungeons and Dragons game is an alternative uh, baseline experience point system. Now that system is, uh, you know, it just works out the the uh, average number of uh, uh, XP that you would need to progress as an average adventurer, the average adventurer being considered to be a, being considered as a, a, a fighter to progress to the next level. Now, you know, who's to say what how long it should take right and um, there are uh, there are discussions about this in different editions of the game how long roughly it should take to go from one level to another but it's very much a, a personal a case of personal preference um, so I've made some suggestions from well guidelines for myself for how long I'd like to the characters to spend at any given level and it increases the, the amount of time the number of sessions required to go to the next level increase um, as you uh, gain levels. But of course, since not everyone is the fighter, we still need the XP. So I've developed a sort of system of of how many XP for that average you know, party level everybody should get. And, and still, we, of course, you're going to get people who require more XP leveling more slowly. And those that require less XP, leveling leveling a little faster, um, so it still um, it still maintains those uh, differences if they exist within the system. So it's just an idea uh, to keep me uh, fixed on that. And the the reason by why by the way that that it might be useful, as opposed to the general uh, XP for gold system, it is because uh, well some of the things that I'm running into in the slavers. Um, the Slave Lords uh, series of uh, adventures that I've been running where there's not necessarily a lot of treasure and the adventure isn't about exploration and treasure hunting. It's it's actually about um, achieving certain goals. Um, and I think uh, to maintain a certain speed and a sense of progress, um, I didn't want, I don't want that XP system uh, based on gold. I don't want the players to be getting 50 gold 50 XP a session when they're 6th level or 100 if they're lucky because it just lacks any sense of reward because doing that then you've got to at the end of the expedition maybe you give them a big GP bonus so they get all the G- XP from the GP that they at the end of all the sessions as some kind of reward if they're lucky if you give a reward and I don't think that's 
I don't know. It just it doesn't seem to be working. I don't like that. So I'm, I'm going to try out this baseline system uh, and see how that helps me um, move through the games and still give players a sense that they are they are progressing um, even if it is quite slowly so that's one yeah that's the second point is the xp baseline system with a slightly uh, long uh, explanation and the uh, third topic um, is that of homesteads now homesteads what are they well you know homesteads if you played skyrim you'll know what a homestead is but um Anybody who plays the older editions of D&D will know that there are such things as dominions. And uh, as you go up levels, you, you might get a castle or a wizard's tower or, you know, a thieves' guild. Um, well, what, but what about before you get to those high levels? Is it possible to have a house or a farm? Or Well, I've decided to incorporate a, a sort of homestead system, a small-scale dominion system, if you like, where the players are able to buy up some land, an old farmhouse or something, convert it, and have some of the um, some of the uh, facilities available to them that they would normally have through Dominion play, but on a much smaller scale. So there's a possibility you have people coming working the land. If there's a you know there will be so many acres of land, um, there's obviously a limit of what you can build there um, legally too. It's probably unlikely they'll be able to build great fortifications um, unless it's beyond the you know beyond civilized lands um, and you know it allows the, the PCs to to um, build a font uh, and so on for for um, creating holy water or uh, you know setting up a library or storing a place to store their treasure or whatever it might be um, so, yeah, and, and somewhere for them just to live when they're not adventuring. So that's what I'm going to do, or what I've started to do with the Old School Essentials. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit like that about that. So in addition to all the general talk that I do about different games, I'd like to, yeah, talk about those things because um, it's quite easy to adapt these topics to your own roleplay system. And that may be of interest to somebody. So yeah, again, repeating um, spell memorization and uh, swapping out spells in the dungeon. How long does that take? Is it possible? Yeah, well, it will be possible in my system. Um, the XP baseline system to give you a guideline of roughly how many uh, XPs you want to give away in a session um, in order for players to advance at a certain rate. Uh, obviously, these rates and, and amounts being... Uh, very flexible and uh, ones that you can set yourself um, and and of course thirdly the homesteads an alternative small-scale dominion system um, whether I really flesh these things out or not I don't know I, I'll probably just talk <laughs> talk about them uh, and leave the details to you but um, I'll probably present those ideas in the next uh, series season of podcasts that I'll have in, that I'll start um, in April, hopefully, if all goes well. So um, that brings us to the end of this podcast episode. Thank you so much for listening this far.
Thank you for listening ever. And uh, take care and all the best. If you've got anything you'd like to get off your chest, if you have any ideas or any thoughts about those uh, topics that I've raised or any other topics that I've raised uh, in past episodes, please feel free to contact me either on Anchor. And if you have an Anchor account, you can leave a one-minute message, as many one-minute messages as you like, and I will do my best to play them, um, provided you're not going out of your way to upset people. And, and of course, uh, yeah, some, some messages on uh, Gmail. So I have a Gmail, or is it a Yahoo? It's not Gmail, is it? Yahoo. A Yahoo account. I'm on uh, Scott in Kyoto. Uh, one word, Scott with one T as in Scottish person, even though I am not. Scott in Kyoto at yahoo.com. Scott in Kyoto, that's S-C-O-T-K-Y-O-T-O. Uh, with the in in the middle, Scott, C-O-T-I-N-K-Y-O-T-O, at yahoo.com. Did I get it right this time? Um, and of course, you can drop me a message on Twitter, um, private if you like. Uh, I am the old shabby gamer, that's at old shabby gamer, and I am known as Medion, a.k.a. Rob. So until next time, take care, enjoy those games. And, uh, yeah, don't go down in a heap, uh, as somebody else says. Uh, anyway, yeah, enjoy yourselves. Bye-bye.